I would say that when decisions are being made, again, every layoff, every situation is different. But if you are a high performer, a top performer, then someone may fight a little harder to keep you on. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, Max. Good to, good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on. Uh, why don't you start off the podcast by telling us a little bit about yourself and your expertise in the career space? Yes, happy to. So I um, came out of college with some desires to perhaps go into sports broadcasting, and that didn't really work out. I ended up going into the music industry down in Los Angeles and, and had a pretty good time. But ultimately, after a couple of years, knew that that wasn't going to be my long-term vision. It, it just... I wasn't, I don't think I was quite the LA cutthroat type back at that time. So my journey took me up to San Francisco Bay area where I I still live today. And I ended up helping out a friend who worked at a temp agency. I just moved up to the Bay area and she said, Hey, can I, can I send you out on a temp assignment? I'm like, okay, (laughs) I just moved here. I'll make some money. She sent me to a biotech firm to work in the human resources department, which was after coming out of the music industry, the entertainment industry, I definitely felt like a fish out of water in this biotech firm. But I I became very curious by the human resources department. I'd not really known of human resources before, hadn't really interacted with them. So uh, my temp assignment ended up lasting for about four months. And during that time, I really got a great, a great idea of what human resources was and thought, well, this, this could be interesting. But I'm not in a in a creative industry. I'm not in a fun sort of environment that would really light me up. So I I, I found I ended up finding a human resources job in an, in a global advertising agency in downtown San Francisco, and I just felt like, wow, okay, I've I, this is it. I found it, and and I really did. I actually got quite lucky in my career pursuit. So I was at this global ad agency for about four years, really thrown into the front lines of the human resources team. I joined the team as an HR coordinator. I left four years later as as the person running the HR department. <laughs> it, was a very, it was a very quick trajectory. I really it got thrown into a lot of very complex, complicated situations, and my learning curve just was was through the roof. And again, I was really loving. I was really loving human resources. So as my career went on, I did stay in human resources. That's what I've been doing for the past two decades. I, I got myself into different classes. I got myself certified. So I was learning both on the front lines in my job and and wanting to make sure that I was trained and certified as well. So going on sort of two, two different tracks to learn my craft. And that's what I've been doing for my career. I've been working in definitely creative space. I've worked in a few different global ad agencies. I've worked for a sports organization. I've worked in a global entertainment company. Again, always knowing creative industry was right for me, but really enjoying human resources and working with all the people at the company for the most part, working with leaders that were there, obviously running different programs and projects and working with their teams. And as my career advanced even more, I really grew to have even a greater focus on, huh, I really like it when the leaders come to me to troubleshoot issues that are happening on their team. It really was the team dynamic that completely fascinated me that I've grown to learn and study and and work in and, and help solve. 
So now I'm to a point in my career where I love reading leadership books. I want to know what makes leaders tick, how people like, like to be managed, great management practices and management skills. So that's really what I'm doing now. I, I did leave corporate last year to go out on my own so that I could work more specifically with those leaders who are having those different issues with their teams, growing the team, expanding the team, fixing the team, trying to be better managers, better leaders. So that's really my wheelhouse today in the work I do. So I uh, stalked your LinkedIn profile before oh, we talked. <laughs> and uh, I know like you already mentioned you have agency experience. You worked for a large sports organization and then you did gaming. Yes. So what's your advice in terms of being able to pivot successfully multiple times into different industries? Because, for example, one of the big things right now is people want to move into tech, but a lot of these professionals don't have any prior tech experience. So how were you able to not only do it once, but twice? Yes. Well, you bring up a great point in LinkedIn and that networking is a huge opportunity for people to take advantage of. And I think in a very sincere way, reaching out to people that you've worked with previously or worked with people that that um, that have crossed paths with you to ask them for a little bit of their time, 15 minutes for a quick coffee chat or a real live coffee chat, those kinds of things, or an email exchange. I think, again, coming in with authenticity because people are very busy but wanting to learn, hey, how could I get into a company like yours? Or what are the three skills I should really hone and work on to work for a company like yours? So I feel like it's it's a lot of information gathering about, you know, you give reference to a tech company. What would this tech company need? Do I have those skills? Do I have some of those skills? If I don't have those skills, how could I go find those skills? Maybe I don't have those skills. But for example, I was talking to a client yesterday who switched industries and she told me that she she actually found a really great job. But when she was interviewing, she didn't have all the skills specifically for this particular job opportunity. But they said, you know what, we really we really like you and we, and we like your personality and we like what you bring to the table. We like your experience, but we're going to hire you based on kind of who you are, not necessarily what you know how to do right now, because we'll train you. So I think that coming in with with um your, I'm going to call them, some people call them soft skills. I don't really love that terminology. I like kind of the competencies, your, your, the, the how you do the job, not the what you do, but the how you do. I think, I think that's something important too. So networking, gathering more information. I think that those are two great ways to, uh, to inquire about potential opportunities. So is that how you were able to make those career pivots by networking and building relationships? And then there's a opening that they think you'd be a great fit for. And then in a way you skip the line. Well, you know, the, the, interestingly, I found all of my new job for, for the most part, I believe I found most of my new jobs by way of the job boards, by way of something being posted. So I, I definitely, I think that the, the, the job boards on LinkedIn are valuable. I've recruited, um, you know, trying to find people to join my company on LinkedIn. Indeed, those kinds of job boards, I think are, are, are I think are legitimate ways to find these jobs. So I, I have found jobs by way of this. So if there's a job opening for a company I've heard of, and I might know a couple people who work there, at that point, maybe I'll put my feelers out to say, hey, I saw the job posted for such and such job. I, I, I think I might apply. Do you have any insights or or is there anything that you would you, you could share with me? And that might create an opening for someone to say, oh, actually, let me put you in touch with the, with the general manager who you might want to chat with. So it, it's just keeping your eyes and ears out for what is open. And, and again, the job boards can be a, a great source of that. 
and then it's and then it's trying to do a little networking that way as well. So that's how I got. That's how I landed most all of my jobs. That's a great advice. And again, it goes back to. It is, it's not one or the other. You, you don't have to only apply online. You don't only have a network. If, you do, if you're able to do both, you're going to be way better off in terms Definitely. of achieving your career goals, right? I would say so. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So I want to go into the main point of our discussion in regards to dealing with turbulent times. Mm. And I'm sure you're aware with what's going on in the news. Tons, actually, ironically, tons of layoffs in tech. Uh, I think... Ford laid off 3,000 people a couple of days ago uh, yeah. from what I saw on my LinkedIn news feed. So there's been a lot of layoffs and uh, there's also discussion of a recession. So I live in Canada, right? I actually went to Buffalo yesterday and we went to one of the big malls there and it was fairly empty. Uh, we thought it might be because kids are back in school, but there were some stores that were closed as well. So mm-hmm. it seems like there ha- there is a lot of disposable income uh, going around. So with that being said, uh, if someone is listening right now and they're laid off or they're worried about their job because financial performance at the company isn't yeah. doing yeah. as well as the company would like, uh, what is some advice that you could help uh, in terms of making sh- letting them know that things will be okay as long as you uh, have a plan of actions, right? Yes, yes, such a such a great question, and I I think that my answer to this question has probably evolved over the last many years, and that I I think that there's a an idea or a belief that we will all find the one job and that we will stay at that one job for a long time, many years, and we'll get promoted at that job. We'll be financially taken care of at that job. We'll have the beautiful benefits at that job. And that isn't always the case. To your point, there are ebbs and flows to business. There are ramp ups and and ramp downs with, with staff. It's just not as traditional, I think, in business as it may have been at one time. So I think now more than ever, we have to be a little bit creative with how we make a living. So I think if you want to go to the one job and you you think you can get stability or whatever, if that one job, if that one job meets your needs, that's the, I think that that's great. You should go that path. But I think now people may want to consider uh, having multiple jobs. Maybe you go and do this for 20 hours and you go and do this for 20 hours. So it's sort of diversifying your portfolio, if you will. And that you can perhaps piece together your job plan. So I, I, some people will call it pursuing multiple streams of revenue. So I, I think that there is something to to not only looking for the one job, but maybe you're looking for two so or, or, or more. But I mean, obviously different things that would light you up. But I, I think that that is a, a potentially creative angle to pursue your career is to not just look for the one company, but maybe look for a couple. To add to that, I've heard stories of these developers or engineers that um, have fully remote jobs, and they actually work two full-time uh, fully remote jobs. I- I'm pretty sure you're you're aware of this. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your yes. thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's because they're not, they're not supposed to be actually doing that, right? They're juggling it. They're juggling yes. in a way to not get caught. Uh, but but what's your opinion with what's going on with that trend? Yes, that's a great question. It's funny too because uh, I actually added a couple quotes to there's this, the Society for Human Resources magazine. It's like the most well-known kind of human resources magazine, at least in the US. I contributed a couple quotes about moonlighting. <laughs> they have these very questions. What do you think about moonlighting? I, sh- I shared my opinion um, for the magazine. But I, personally, I, I think years ago, a, a few years ago, I, I did not believe in moonlighting because I, I was more of the mindset, you know, you should be loyal to your company and, and people have one job. And I would say that's maybe a little bit of like an uh, an outdated mindset in my view, just as my views have evolved. 
So I do believe in moonlighting because I believe that people have have different different uh, passions that they might want to pursue in their career. I, again, we're talking about multiple revenue streams. I think that people, it's fair for people to have multiple revenue streams because they want to support their family. Uh, they, they have different things that they want to buy or invest in. So I think that earning more money is a good thing. However, I, I would say to your point, maybe if your primary employer doesn't know that you're moonlighting and, and, and if you're using their company equipment or their time to moonlight that that's that's maybe getting into a little bit of a different territory where where you're you're being deceitful or you're being dishonest and how you're going about it but i think if there's full transparency it's like hey i'm here until 5 and and then at 7 p.m. i i go and do something else and i earn money for it um you know and then we could get into different things like with every company you're likely going to be have, going to have to sign confidentiality agreements so um, let's hope that there's not conflicts of interest with the work. But I'm a firm believer of, yes, go make the money. Just don't do not do it in a deceitful or dishonest way. And going back to uh, in terms of uh, staying positive during uh, turbulent times. Yeah. Uh, so, again, uh, people feeling uneasy with their work as it might be in jeopardy or people are already been laid off and they don't see a lot of uh, openings. Uh, what's your advice on that? Yeah, I know. And I know that that's, that those can feel that, 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 that feeling can, it's, it's overwhelming. I get it. I get it. That uncertainty is, is unsettling. So I think that, you know, this might sound cliche, but trying to have just that positive mindset and just knowing it's like, look, everything really every day, kind of having a, a heart to heart with yourself, just saying, look, everything it's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. I just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to apply for two jobs today. I'm going to apply for two jobs tomorrow. By the end of the week, I will have applied for 10. So it's it's taking some small actions, I think, that will that will impact the bigger picture. The, the person I was talking about a little bit earlier, who I, I've been coaching, she had a job loss, which is very unexpected. And I coached her through, you know, keeping her confidence a little bit high, saying, you know, look, you have great skill set. You have a, a, a terrific outlook. It's It's just a matter of time. I know a company will want to hire you. So she put together a plan that she was going to apply for X amount of jobs per day. And we were going to meet X amount of times, whatever, per week or every other week, just to keep the momentum going. She would send me different check-ins, emails. I'd say, your momentum is terrific. You've got great momentum. So I think momentum is another another name of the game. And yeah, there, there can be days where you're down and out and it just feels overwhelming. And maybe those are days that you plan to go do something for yourself. You plan to just go to the park and, and, or, you know, take your animals out and play with them. You know, I, I think you can't, the, the job search can't be 24 seven. We know that we have to, when you're in the job search, it's like trying to have that, that positivity and that momentum. But then maybe there are days where it's like, Hey, look on Fridays, if I'm unemployed, I'm just going to take that day to just try to do things that make me feel better. So it is a lot of mindset work. And I know for if you're going through a frustrating time, that can be hard to maintain, but just trying to have that plan of action and just some small steps and some forward movement, forward momentum, I think can really be helpful. Yeah. One of the uh, common phrases is searching for a job is a full-time job, but that's a very <laughs> bad full-time job, especially since it's unpaid. So yes. like you said, you don't have to plot, you don't have to stay on Indie or LinkedIn for the whole eight hours. No, right? I like, would definitely pl- advise yeah. against that. Yeah. <laughs> if I go maybe have two really concentrated hours of, you know, this next two hours, I'm going to feel really good. I'm going to apply. I'm going to have some good energy about me. So it just feels good. And then I'm, I'm going to log off and I'm going to be done. And I'm going to just close that off for the day. Give yourself a mental break. But yes. What are some uh, resources that you would recommend uh, 
job seekers that are laid off to get the help they need. And what I'm trying to say is, let's say someone applies to like 50 jobs within a few weeks and they're getting no response or they're not able to pass the first round. Obviously, they're doing something wrong. And unfortunately, recruiters, hiring managers might not have time to give you the appropriate feedback yeah. you need to improve. Yeah. So what are some resources uh, that you recommend to help them get the feedback they need in order to improve their results in the job search? Yes, that's that's a great question. And, and one top thing I could advise being a in my human resources world, I, I do recruit as well. I, I, I receive resumes, I review resumes, I call people to set up interviews, that sort of thing. That, 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 that's experience I've done. And I, you can tell when someone has spammed a resume, when someone is clearly not even remotely qualified for the role, you know, aim high or, or, or put yourself out there, but you have to be realistic. If you're looking for an engineering job and you've never been an engineer before, you have no schooling, no training, I would say don't, don't apply for those jobs. Be realistic. So if you're applying for the 50 jobs, how many were you really qualified for? So I would be, I would be honest with yourself as far as what you're, what you're applying for. The second thing, if you think you're applying for the right jobs and you're not getting any feedback, I would say, is there, is, do you, do you know any recruiters? Do you know anybody who reviews resumes or even a friend where you could say, can you take a look at this and give me feedback? Feedback is such, sometimes it can be hard to, 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 to accept. Um, but, but feedback is really a gift. Please, please know feedback is a gift. So if you can take your resume or your cover letter to a trusted friend, or again, maybe you know someone who does a little bit of recruiting and they can they can really give you a keen eye, then that might be helpful. I know for me, I have I have multiple resumes. I have resumes that have a little bit of a different angle with each resume. So this resume might be going more for this type of job. I mean, generally under the same umbrella, but I, I have multiple resumes. I also have multiple cover letters. I want to make sure that my cover letter, if a cover letter is requested, is tailored to the job I'm applying for. And again, being someone who reviews resumes, I can tell you sometimes the recruiters are really eyeballing these very quickly. So your cover letter doesn't have to be pages and pages, really just hit the highlights for why you think you're the, the best fit for the job. Having that succinct resume, uh, people ask me, Kate, one page or multiple pages for a resume? You know, what, what, one to three pages, two, two, I think is a good, a good place to try to start. So just having digestible material for recruiters to review, um, we know that the bigger companies have these applicant tracking systems where they, they're doing keyword searches. So certainly when you review a job description online and, and you're seeing some keywords in the job description, making sure your resume and or cover letter has some of those keywords sprinkled in. Obviously, we want to be truthful and honest. So, so really just, again, applying for jobs that you're relatively qualified for. And if you're not getting any bites, asking for outreaching a little bit to get some feedback on your material. Speaking of keywords and job descriptions, the common best practices when it comes to applying for jobs is you don't need 100% of what they're looking for. Yes. Uh, there's a certain percentage, like some say as low as 50, some say 70. Uh, what's your opinion on that question? That's a good question. And again, as someone who reviews resumes and makes those assessments, is it is a yes? Is it a maybe? Is it a no? I'm looking for something. The job description is something that's really important or the job posting. You really want to look at that because when I'm recruiting, I'm referring back to that document and I'm trying to find the closest match as possible. And when I'm reviewing resumes, I'll look to see, is this person right on par with the job description? Like they're really hitting all the different components of the job description. 
are they, do they look like they're, you know, if we're looking for someone with five years of experience, are you submitting a resume of 20 years of experience? Are you just a little bit more experience than we might need? Or are we looking for five years of experience and you have one? I would say if we're looking for the, for five, I'm looking for people with five years, but I'm also, I'm also keeping an open mind to eight years. I'm also keeping an open mind to maybe two years. So for me as a recruiter, I'm looking for, I, I do have flexibility in how I review a resume and, and what I'd be looking for. But really at the end of the day, it's, it ties back to the role description. It's like, can this person do the job or are they close to being able to do the job and we can train them up because they're a great candidate with a you know fantastic demeanor and, and all those things we talked about, kind of the soft skills or the competencies, or are they, are they a little overqualified, but they really seem like this would be an outstanding role for them for, you know, a, a long period of time. So there, I, for me, I, I have flexibility, but it's got to tie back to the role description. In terms of struggling job seekers, some of the more qualified or experienced professionals, let's say a director, they might start getting desperate and start applying to entry level positions. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't recommend that because Recruiters don't want to hire people that are overqualified because they're deemed a flight risk. Uh, so what's your take on staying the course uh, compared to just getting desperate and just applying for anything just to get some income in? Yes, that's such a great question. I, I do advise for direct, what we'll call it directors or very experienced people not to apply for entry level. I say, I know it can be very hard. And when you need a job, you need a job and you're willing to be flexible and bend. And, and I, I've been in conversations where someone's like, look, I, you know, I need a job and, you know, just, just, just give me a chance to get, to get in there. It's just never a good match. It's never a good mutual match. If, if the overqualified person gets a job then it's quickly like, Hey, can we talk about my, my comp? My comp is too low or, or I really feel like I should be managing people and I'm not just the expectations just don't end up being a match. So if you are a director level or, or more experienced, really do stay the course. The other thing I want to mention too, and I'm talking about multiple streams of revenue and, and, and potentially considering having multiple jobs is, is consider going to like a temp agency or a freelance type of company where you could have them help you find a job. Many of these companies have, have dozens and dozens or hundreds of different clients that are looking for help and they're calling up this trusted agency to say, Hey, trusted agency, I, I know that you have qualified candidates in your pipeline. Do you have someone that can help fill this job, even if on an interim basis? So I think if you could find a freelance or a temp job for, say, four months, it's like you've got a four-month assignment. That allows you to exhale, breathe a little bit, and buys you a little more time in your job search. So again, going back to this person that I've been coaching recently who just got this brand new job, that's something I told her. I said, have you called the temp agencies? Have you called the freelance agencies? Get in their pipeline. So, you know, and it's, it's she said to me, oh, I, I hadn't thought about that. It's like, yes, we're looking how you can get paid. <laughs> we're looking for money-making opportunities. And that's a great path as well that I would highly advise people to to um, start making those phone calls to local local agencies. That's a good point you mentioned because a lot of professionals default to trying to reach out to internal recruiters or hiring managers at those companies that they want to yeah. work with or work yeah. for. Uh the other side is building relationships with external recruiters at recruitment firms or agencies. Yes, so yes. how would you recommend uh, building rapport with these professionals? Well, first of all, see if you know anybody in the company or if you know anybody who knows anybody at these companies. And, it, and if you don't, and I, I've done this as well, just for, for building my business, get some names of people that work there and email them and, and, it, and have it be a thoughtful email, not a spammy 
not a spammy email, but something that, that it feels personal and feels, feels authentic and genuine, just looking to make a connection, asking someone for 15 minutes of their time to maybe learn more about what the company does and how you might be able to help them as a potential freelancer or potential candidate to go out and, and work these jobs, which, you know, it's like when, when you're making money, they're making money because obviously they're charging, they're charging a, a whatever it's called a, a commission. So um, it can really be as easy as that going to the website, seeing who works there, finding, finding a couple names that you can email just to say, Hey, I'm curious to learn more or, or calling, calling the front desk to let them know what you're looking for and say, Hey, can you point me in the right direction? I'm looking, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm looking for potential freelance engineer roles. Do you have someone on staff that works with engineers? Can you put me in touch with them? Point me in the right direction. So it's a little bit of, a little bit of digging and, and finding the right people to talk to, but it's, it's, it's very doable. They will, they will, not everybody, but they will call you back. They won't, they won't um, reply to your email. And let's talk about people that are currently working, but they don't feel comfortable in their role because uh, they don't think the company's performing that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other signs of a potential layoff uh, that could happen at their company? Potential signs of layoff. That's a great question. I, I would say a, a couple different things. Hopefully you're in a, a good, productive, positive relationship with your manager and that you're having weekly conversations and weekly team meetings, that sort of thing, to get a pulse on the work, to get a pulse on what's what's happening. So you've you've got to you've got to dial in and look and listen and be and be be attuned and aware. If if um, you have weekly meetings with your boss, you've got weekly team meetings, and you're understanding what the team is doing, what the company is doing, and then those meetings go off your calendar, and there's really no explanation why. It's like why doesn't my boss want to meet with me anymore? Why aren't we having team meetings? We used to have um, town hall meetings as a company. <laughs> those aren't those aren't happening anymore either. I think you've got to start reading some signs. And if some of those meetings are coming off the calendar, again, hope, hopefully you've got a, a good rapport with your boss just to say, hey, I'm sensing something's happening with the company. Is there anything you can share? Oftentimes, if you are in a leadership position, management position, you can't, you're, you're not going to be able to talk about what's happening. There could be a, uh, an acquisition or merger situations going on, or there could be a downsizing that's going on. We just don't know. But I think trying to keep tabs on those types of meetings and, and trying to re- read between the lines. And certainly if you feel like something is off, you have two choices. You can either stay and be like, something feels really weird here, but I'm just going to stay. In which case, if you do stay, perhaps if there is a layoff situation, you know, it's like, hey, here's two weeks of severance. I don't know if I'm making this up. Or, or you become proactive to say, you know what? I want to take a little bit more ownership to my career and to my next step. I think I need to start looking for another opportunity. So those are, those, those are some potential indicators. How, how do uh, companies select who gets laid off? Is there like a specific like layoff protected list? Like we can't lay these people off and it, this is the department's <laughs> will lay off. Is, is there like a list or is it as random as people think it is? I would say, you know, that that's a great question. I think every layoff is, you know, it's like, is there a department being eliminated? In which case everybody in the department goes because let's say finance was being outsourced. So, so the whole finance department got let go. I, I mean, there's, there's all, all different kinds of rhymes and reasons as to why you might be part of a layoff. I, I would say though, to be very honest, I, I would say that when decisions are being made again, every layoff, every situation is different, but if you are a high performer, a top performer, then someone may fight a little harder to keep you on. So to that point, as far as, like I've mentioned previously, keeping in touch with your manager having those conversations, you definitely want to make sure 
you know how your performance is being perceived. How am I doing? How am I performing? So that, and, and those are things, again, if you're in good communication with your boss, you should be able to gauge how you're performing. And certainly in the case of layoffs, top performers can unfortunately be, be a part of a layoff. It, 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 it can happen. But if you are a top performer, you're part of a layoff, hopefully you're going to have a good network of people that can vouch for you as far as references and that sort of thing. And if you're coming with a great set of skills, hopefully finding that new job will just be a little bit quicker in getting to that new job. One of the interview questions that you probably asked candidates is what happened at your last job if they got laid off, right? And professionals don't know how to answer the question effectively. I've worked with clients where they've answered it incorrectly and then they didn't get the job, which is no surprise, right? So how would someone address that situation when a recruiter looks at the resume, realizes that they're not at their current company anymore or the last company? Uh, how would someone answer professionally so they don't get eliminated in the process? Well, honestly, honesty is really the, the, is the best answer. Honesty, uh, as much as you can share, hey, there, there was a layoff. I was in the finance department. The finance department was, was um, eliminated. I was, a, I was you know, an unfortunate victim of that. I, I can, uh, my boss would be, will be a reference for me. I was a, a good performer, strong performer. If you need references or, or additional information, I'd be happy to share references from that company. So I just honesty. And again, if you can add, um, add something about my coworkers can certainly vouch for my performance. My boss can vouch for my performance. This was an unfortunate financial decision that impacted me. So I mean, you want to, you know, you know, you want to frame it a little, a, a, a little bit. And you certainly don't want to say, well, my last company, they were like, you know, financial losers couldn't, <laughs> couldn't figure it out. Or, and, you know, they, 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 they let me go. I mean, I think you want to be as kind as possible to your former employer, um, even despite how sometimes layoffs can be a little bumpy and, and a little clunky. And you might not even might, you will likely walk away feeling some hurt and some anger, some resentment. So I would say, try to let those feelings subside, at least in a future conversation, just to give the facts and say, Hey, this is what happened. I was a part of that layoff and it, it was unfortunate, but, but, um, you know, I'm realizing that there's some really great job opportunities out here that I want to put my name in the hat for. So I'm feeling really excited about, about my next steps. It's all in the, it's all in the messaging, but, but you don't need to lie about a layoff because it's really, it, it just happens. These things happen. Yeah. It's nothing personal, right? Uh, usually layoffs are not personal unless you're really, really bad performer. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So again, layoffs happen. Uh, I think with what happened with COVID where there's a whole, mass of layoffs, yeah. uh, higher manager, more understanding. For example, like if you're in tourism, uh, you got laid off during the COVID, like, higher managers are empathetic because they, they know that you can really do much because there's lockdowns, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so we've discussed um, staying positive uh, during turbulent times, such as being unemployed and looking for work, just doing a couple job ads a day, uh, applying to a couple jobs, uh, just to keep the rhythm going. Yes. Uh, get help when you need it. The second one is if you're worried about your current job, uh, see the signs uh, and then have an action plan. And then uh, the third uh, part I want you to go into is if you are stressed out with your personal life, for example, going through a divorce while you're juggling your, your career mm -hmm. or or taking care of a sick uh, family member while yes. also juggling your career. Uh, so that could be stressful and also increases burnout. Uh, so how do you recommend managing uh, those types of issues uh, to make sure it doesn't conflict with work and doesn't also burn you out in the process? Oh, that's such a great question. So relevant. 
I, I have a lot of different thoughts on this. I would say if, if you're at a company or you're someplace where you can access any sort of mental health resources, counselors, coaches, employee assistance programs, things of that nature, go and take advantage of those resources. Go and take advantage. These are great programs. They're, they're, they're programs that likely the company pays for. They're likely programs you might even be getting um, taken out of your paycheck. If, if companies have an EAP, you might be paying $2 a uh, a pay period you may not even know. <laughs> so those are things you might want to find out. Am I paying it in this program? But many companies do offer counseling, coaching, and those types of services. So I would say absolutely go and take advantage of those things. The other thing you may you may want to do if you're going through a turbulent time is you may want to confide in your manager or boss or or uh, people that you work with. Not 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 to make excuses, but just to say, hey, just want to let you know I'm going through a little bit of a bumpy time right now. And, and, and what that what that means, of course, you want to talk to your boss, for example, you might be going through a bumpy time. And instead of leaving at five, you'd like to make a request to leave at four or whatever it is just to say there's some things I need to take care of outside of work, may I leave at four, you know, ha- having those conversations or having those seeing what type of flexibility you could possibly build in just to help help support you. And I, I mean, it, it's really just finding books that might be able to help you or podcasts or journaling or all those different kinds of ways just to be, be learning. And, and, you know, when you're journaling, you're, you're putting your thoughts on paper, just trying to release that and, and, and kind of ease the pressure on your nervous system for lack of a better word. So finding all the ways to give yourself a little bit of a a pressure, stress relief, I, I would definitely advocate for it. But if you're working for a company, Take advantage of, of your health insurance if you need those kinds of doctor's appointments, your, your medical, your, your, the mental health resources, all of it. Just go and take advantage of it. There's a, some professionals might feel uncomfortable talking about their personal baggage, so to speak, to their manager. It might be used against them or the manager might say, okay, obviously this person can't handle all this work, so let me give it to somebody else. And then you're kind of put on the back burner. So there's all these, all these fears. Uh, what's your uh, perspective on that? I think that I feel like my answer to this question has evolved over the years because I, I know for myself, I, I, no matter what I'm going through, it's like, show up, do the work, get in there. You got to stay late. You stay late. We're going to really like, we're, we're going to give, we're going to give our everything to this company. That's how I think I was just raised and, and how I approached my career was you, you give it your all and you don't complain about anything going on in your personal life. Well, I think that at some point something's got to give. So not that you have to divulge all of your personal issues, but there could be an opportunity just to have a more general conversation to say, Hey, I've got some things going on. It's going to be, you know, t- interim. Um, so what I'm, what I would like to ask for just an, on an interim basis is X. I think you've got to advocate for yourself, whatever that means. Again, I, you know, I, I I'd like to leave a four instead of five or I, I need to step out from one to two to attend a personal appointment and, uh, yeah, to, to your point, there are many privacy rules in place in the workplace as well. So as, a, as an employee, you don't have to go and divulge all of your personal information. But I think my point is more of advocating for yourself to, to provide a little bit of relief to yourself to manage your personal life. But yes, at the end of the day, we do for in a company, we're working for someone else, we do have to deliver a performance. So it's really trying to find out how to find that balance so that you are performing at the in, in your job and doing a good job and you are you are managing your personal life. I, I've talked to a couple of people who have even needed to step away from their jobs. So there could be things like a personal leave where where you need to go and take care of something and you just need a month 
to really get it under control and get it all situated where you can go focus on that and not have to try to do this balance. So I think there can be different options as well. Um, because also I, I have worked with managers where someone is going through something difficult. They don't really share it, but their performance is really going downhill. And then you're getting into these performance conversations and it, it just becomes a very stressful situation. So as the employee, just be aware of, of, of how you're doing. And, and take care of yourself and advocate to yourself to the, to the, to the best that you can. And again, do, do try to keep up your performance because we know that that's, that's an important part of the puzzle too. Absolutely. And going back to the layoff conversation, getting, layoffed, getting laid off at late 20s, early 30s, you can recover fairly quickly. But getting laid off after 40 or in your 50s, yes. it might be a bit more yes. difficult. Yes. Uh, first off, there might be, there, there's obviously some prejudice, right? One is like, they might be a dinosaur and might not have those skills that they're looking for that a young yes. person might have. Yes. Uh, they might be too expensive. Uh, they might not be. They might be stuck in their old. They might be stuck in their current ways and not learning, to, not willing to adapt to new processes. They also might feel uh, threatened or angry that someone in their 30s is managing them when they're in their 40s or 50s. Yes. Uh, so, what's your advice for the uh, older professionals that have gone laid off? And let's say they haven't job searched in 20 years because they stayed at this company for 20 years. Mm, such a great question. And it does happen. It is it is real. I do have a client who's in that situation. And let me tell you a few of the things that he did is he, he, he had to get real with himself that he hadn't refreshed his resume. He hadn't refreshed a cover letter. He hadn't, his, his LinkedIn profile was not as refreshed. So he had to get real that he had to get himself a little bit up to the current times and refreshing the resume, updating the resume, making sure that the language throughout the resume was was current and, and all those kinds of things, adding any certifications that he hadn't added to the resume. So really just having that honest look as far as like, is my material fresh and updated? I think that's that's number one. And um, for this particular client, he really went big into networking. I, I have to hand it to him. He was networking all over the place, letting people know what he was looking to do. And I believe that, that the way he was phrasing what he was looking to do when he first left that, that company he'd been out for so long, the way he was phrasing, it was maybe a little bit outdated or the job titles for what he was looking for was a little outdated. Some things had, had changed over the years. So he had to also freshen his elevator pitch, if you will, kind of how he was describing, Hey, I do this. This is what I'm looking for. So he needed to really evolve his skills quite honestly. And he was a little down and out about it. But over over the weeks and months and 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 over some time, he's he 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 got caught up and got with it. He actually went into a new job that he felt excited about, and then he he felt like you know this isn't really a good fit for me. I didn't go into all the details as to why, but he did he did leave that he did leave that job, and is back in his search. And and um, we we reconnected to to uh, get updated in that conversation. And I, and I said to him, and again, this is someone who's, who's a little older in their, their career, but again, it's all updated with the resume and the LinkedIn, you know, how, how's that, how's that um, great approach. But I did say to him, you know, if you're really struggling to find that career job, I said, I, I, I forget how I exactly I phrased it, but I said, you may want to look for jobs at places like, you know, high end retail, like Nordstrom, where you can go, you, you're a salesperson, you may, you can go and have those sales conversations in, in a high end department store. So I was trying to guide him toward, you know, maybe you need to bridge your your employment for a little while and go do something again. And in, 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 in he's a he's very very experienced in sales. Go go into a, a premium brand and go do sales there and and buy yourself some time to find that more corporate environment that you're looking for. So 
at the end of the day, when you have to work and earn money, you have to work and earn money, but maybe you can find that place that really suits more of your, your brand and your style and where you can get into those, those kinds of conversations that will spark you through your day too, so that you feel like you're, yeah, with, with, with people that you can resonate with in your work day. Yeah. And being a salesperson at a retail store, uh, especially high end one, you might meet a lot of influential people that could give you your next stepping stone, right? In your career. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that he necessarily liked that answer to be honest with you because he is a higher level professional, but, but I, I know people who have gone into places like Nordstrom because they're in, they're bridging, they're bridging a little bit and they've, they've enjoyed it. So I, I'm definitely an advocate of, you know, find the right place for you that may look a little different than what you're expecting. Older professionals sometimes have a, a bit of an ego, right? Say, oh, I've, I've yeah. all this experience. I don't <laughs> want to do this uh, junior stuff. Uh, but again, like, what's your take on it? Like, sometimes you just have to be real yourself and like do something to keep things going, right? And, and also like mindset, right? Like if you're not willing to do something, someone else is willing to do it. And then they'll be uh, ahead of the curve compared to you because you're, you're complaining about it, right? Yes, yes, yes. You can spend your time complaining or you can spend your time making money. Which would you like to do? The, the other thing for a more advanced professional with with some seasoning that, that they might may want to think about is... Um, starting their own business, becoming a freelancer. And if you have a nice network and can and are, can have those types of conversations saying, you know, whatever the profession, well, we'll just use me, for example, I'm an HR consultant. It's like, hey, I'm an HR consultant. I can work for any number of companies. I don't maybe need to have a, a be tied to a company or have a boss. I can go out and, and ask different people if they need some extra HR support. So I think if you have, well, you, you can have skills at any any age for that matter. If you have those skills and you can help someone achieve their results, go, go sell, go sell, uh, you know, your experience in that way, go, go, um, start, start a business. That's maybe a whole other conversation, Max. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a whole other episode. Start, yeah. your, start your own business. Uh, yes, after leaving yes, corporate. That, that's a so maybe uh, you, you can come back, uh, maybe, uh, end of year or something and we can do part <laughs> two on that. But, uh, going back to, uh, the career conversation here, uh, so we discussed, uh, multiple situations of turbulent times in a career, uh, laid off, uh, unemployed job searching, uh, balancing personal struggles with trying to still be a high performer at work, yes. uh, getting laid off at different uh, periods of your life. And you've given a lot of great advice, but advice is useless if it's not executed. So how are, how can you, uh, what type of uh, guidance in terms of next steps that you could give to my listeners that are in these situations uh, in terms of like being very intentional with what you want to do in order to achieve the next goals in your career? Yes, that's such a powerful question. I would say really commit to a plan, have a notebook or, you know, your, your phone, your, the, the notes app, whatever, and write down a list of things that you want to achieve every day. You know, I want to, I want to wake up. I'm going to commit to taking a walk for an hour. Okay. Check. I, I'm going to commit to um, having a healthy breakfast. I'm going to commit to reaching out to two new people today to, to network. I'm going to commit to sending out two resumes today. I'm going to commit to then spending time with my dog and, and having a little bit of that time. And then I'm going to come back to my computer and I'm going to spend some time revising my resume and just literally putting, putting a structure to your day. I, I, I know when you're not employed, it can get a little, the, the days can seem a little long, a little meandering and a little, a little aimless. So I think if you put a routine together for yourself, a, da a daily routine, at least on Monday through Friday, daily routine, we're going to commit, again, even committing to my walk, I'm going to get out for an hour and walk in the morning, whatever it is, and doing everything on that list. 
so that you can feel accomplished at the end of the day. You can feel like you're, 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 um, have that momentum. So it's really, it really is creating structure and a routine so that you can keep that momentum going. Great. And I asked this question to all my guests that come on my podcast. Uh, when it comes, again, this podcast is about helping professionals overcome career challenges. Yes. So what has been one big career challenge that you had to overcome? What were the learning lessons from that challenge in order to get to where you are today? That's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind, career challenge, I was in a job years ago and it was a, it was a, uh, I was at a 501c3, so a not-for-profit, but it, it was a, it was a top level sports organization. And I was doing, I was doing part-time. I was working part-time for them because I had a young family at the time. And for me, I wanted to prioritize family time, but I also, it's important for me to be working a career and having a great career. I was a director of human resources for that company. And I knew after maybe five years at that company that I had done all the things I wanted to do. And I was wanting to get back into a corporate, more of a corporate environment where there was a large HR team, a much larger operation of, of uh, business and more potentially more of a global setting. And I started setting out the resumes and the cover letters and going in, on interviews. And I, I couldn't get my next opportunity for a couple of years. So I, I, I again, I knew I, I'm ready to leave. I want to leave. I'm just going to keep sending the resumes, going to the interviews. And when I would get a no on a job, I would just have to know, you know what, this, it just wasn't meant to be. It's not, I, I'm not going to take it personally. This one wasn't meant to be. So I'm going to try to move on with a smile on my face. So that was probably the longest job search I've ever had. It was at, le at least two years, if not more of just staying committed, sending the resumes and that sort of thing. And when I did get my next corporate job, yeah, I, I, it was, it was really the right fit for me. It was the right company. It was the right team. It was the right boss. So I knew, you know, looking back in hindsight, it, it felt very long. It felt very arduous, but I knew, you know what, this was, things happened for a reason and my long search paid off because I really feel very satisfied with this new company I'm joining. So yeah, even when, even when times get hard and you feel like it's just this never ending, like applying and interviewing and applying and no, and no, the, the right thing will come along. Believe that the right thing will come along. Yeah. Even for me, when I was a recent grad, my job search was 11 months and I was just getting frustrated. I didn't want to get anything right. Uh, and then I ended up getting an opportunity that fit me well. Uh, it was a startup. So uh, I got mentorship from the founder. Uh, the Ooh, the team was good. It was also close um, to where I lived. Uh, I didn't have a car at the time, right? So it was one bus ride. So a lot of things uh, ended up falling into place for that position. And I'm staying there until I got acquired a few years later. Uh, so yeah, um, for anyone listening, if your job search is not going the way you want, know that there's going to be one opportunity out there that you'll love and you just have to be patient with, uh, to get through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Such sound advice. And Kate, uh, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your like HR advice and helping people stay positive and having, giving them some tips on actioning, uh, their career plan in order to get to where they want to be. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Yeah, thank you so much, Max. So I mean, my website is katewalker.com. I'm on Instagram at the Kate Walker. I'm also on LinkedIn, like Max had mentioned, katewalker, SPHR. So you can find me in those different ways. And I do have different packages to work with me. I mean, as, as I mentioned at the, at the beginning, I do work with high level leaders and teams. But I, as I also mentioned, I just worked with someone who was a couple of years out of college, really trying to mentor her in her job search. So I have different ways of working with people. It's important to me too. I, I, I want to help 
people in their career pursuits or the, the the company dynamics, those things are important to me. I really want people to get the results they're looking for. So if you have any questions, especially after hearing this interview and you're like, oh, she didn't, I, what, what does she think about this question? Just just shoot me a note on Instagram. Just DM me and, and say, hey, saw you on the podcast. I have one little question for you. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to, I'd love to support you. Yeah. So uh, she's, uh, it's okay to slide into Kate's DMs, as they would say. So <laughs> definitely reach out to her if you have any uh, career questions and she'll be glad to help you out. Again, I appreciate the time, Kate, and hope you have a strong uh, fall and close off the year strong. Thank you so much, Max. This is such an important conversation. These are great questions. And I, I really hope that all of the, the questions you've asked, the answers I've provided, it's kind of an insider to, you know, being on the inside track of all these things. I hope I've, I've provided at least a nugget or two for people to take away and, and go take an action step. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.